the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What you need to understand is that the ability to shame herself and her family to this degree shows the incredible honor and power God has given her. To be able to uphold or destroy the family with a simple attitude that leads to an even simpler act. Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen. For a man to wear a head covering while ministering would be like me, with absolute sincerity and trying to make a point, coming up here and wearing a woman's dress to preach the word. The humor of that visual aside, if you heard of a pastor doing that with full sincerity, trying to perhaps make a point in today's culture, you would take serious issue with it. You would say that's just wrong. The importance of what Paul is saying focuses on verse 5, where he addresses the women. By not wearing the head covering, women disgrace both their own head physically, that is, they embarrass themselves, but also their head figuratively, that is, their husband. Thus, Paul's use of the word disgrace. Keep in mind that for the man to wear a head covering would also disgrace his physical head, and his figurative head, Jesus Christ. Now we start to understand the bigger picture. It's not just about this physical head covering any more than our last study was about just eating meat. There's a bigger picture here. The bigger issue is not even the shame one would bring on her husband, although that is a significant issue. The bigger issue is and always is God's glory. Because when you take issue with a culturally required symbol of submission and faithfulness to your husband that is also required in the scriptures, you take issue with God's plan and call for your life. That's a big deal. Which is why Paul goes on to say at the end of verse 5 that if she's going to do such a thing, she might as well have her head shaved like a prostitute or adultery. That's how big of a deal it is. Again, not the head covering, but what the head covering or going without the head covering represents and symbolizes. Shave her head not because she is actually a prostitute or an adulterer, but because she is purposely removing the external markers of faithfulness to her God by fulfilling her God-given role. 
And this leads us to our final explanatory element of head coverings, the consequence. We've seen the context, we've seen the contrast, and now the consequence. Verse 6. For if a woman does not cover her head, let her also have her hair cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, which it is, then let her cover her head. Really simple. The head covering in Paul's day showed one subordinate relationship to the husband. It was an act of rebellion to minister or worship without the head covering. It was a clear act of defiance of her relationship with her husband, as well as a public display of disrespect for her marriage and the institution of marriage in the eyes of God. It would be along the same lines as a married woman today saying, Honey, some of my single friends gave me a call. They want to have a girls' night out. We're going to go to a bar. And she purposely takes off her wedding ring, leaves it in her house so the bachelors at the bar would not know she was married, and then purposely dressing immodestly to attract those men. That is what it would be like for a woman to go out in public without a head covering in ancient Corinth. Absolutely inappropriate and offensive. A shame to herself, a shame to her husband, a shame to her God. And hopefully that analogy helps you see Paul's point. That if you're going to go out without a head covering, if you're going to go out and dress like purposely take off your wedding ring and flirt with single guys at a bar, then you might as well shave your hair like a prostitute or an adulteress. Now what Paul is doing here is he's creating shock value. He's correlating the punishment for prostitutes with not wearing a head covering to show just how shameful it is because we see. He's comparing it and basically he hopes that they will come to the conclusion that if you're not going to go without a head covering, you might as well shave your head. So, at the end of verse 6, just wear your head covering. What you need to understand is that the ability to shame herself and her family to this degree shows the incredible honor and power God has given her. To be able to uphold or destroy the family with a simple attitude that leads to an even simpler act have the right attitude of wanting to honor your husband and your Lord, simply wear the covering. Have the wrong attitude of wanting to assert your independence, simply leave the covering at home. And then destroy everything. Don't tell me God has not given women great dignity. I should probably also mention that secular historians have told us that there were various social movements of feminism in the Roman Empire during Paul's day. So the temptation was real. The temptation, as we have that temptation today, to believe society's lies and the twisting of Scripture and God's design for men and women. So, throw out your head coverings, just as the modern feminist movement decades ago called for throwing out of bras, Again, it's not the garment, it's the significance of that act 
and what that symbolizes. And one of the big picture problems here is one that we face today, but in a more dramatic way, although the, the issue is ultimately the same. The removing of the head covering and the removing of many things in our culture, the issue is the breakdown of gender distinctions. The breakdown of gender distinctions. We don't just take issue with the fact that there are some people with great power in our country that want preteens to be able to have their genitals dissolved out of their body. That's a big deal. And it, because it's, it, it's so radically gross that we think it's the biggest deal, but the biggest deal is the breakdown of gender distinctions, which also happens when husbands don't lead and wives don't submit. That's big picture, as big a deal biblically as a child removing their genitals because it's the same biblical issue. Paul is asking, he says, do you really want to shame yourself, your family, your church, and your God? But bigger picture, he is also asking, do you really choose to no longer be honored as a woman? And now that we have this understanding, it probably comes as no surprise to you that there was a fourth main group of women in that culture that would shave their heads. We have women who have been caught committing adultery, prostitutes, slaves, and then only the most extreme of feminists for this very reason, to break down gender distinctions and gender roles. The point Paul is making in verse 6 is that if a woman is going to take off the cultural symbol of her role and her femininity, then she might as well go all the way in her rejection of her role and shave her head. Many years ago, Just thought about it. It's actually many, many years ago now. Uh, when I was in college, I had a friend who was the same year as me, but was going to a different college. I, I knew her from uh, actually this city in Burlingame from our uh, church youth group. And she called me. I believe we were both first year students uh, in college. And her younger sister, whom I knew also from youth group, was still in high school. And my friend called me and she said, I'm worried about my younger sister. As you know, she's on the cheerleading team. She's getting involved with some pretty bad stuff for her age. Uh, probably normal for her age today, but back then, pretty bad stuff. You know, some drugs and some alcohol and things like that. And my friend said, what do I tell her? What do I do? And so I had no idea, so I went to my college pastor. Uh, he used to come on campus uh, once a week, sit at the treehouse. Does that still exist, the treehouse out there? No? Okay. But uh, there's this part of the student union we called the treehouse, and he would sit there and just meet with people. And I told him the situation. 
And what he told me kind of shocked me, still shocks me as I relay it to people. He said, because this girl in high school was still saying she was a Christian. He said, listen, she either needs to choose God and go all out or choose the world and go all out. You can't do both. There's no lukewarm Christian. There's no 50-50, one foot in the world, one foot in the church. So she needs to make a choice. Obviously, when he said that and when I say that, we hope and expect if they're true believers that they will make the choice for God. But as shocking as that statement is, that's the reality. We see it throughout the Scriptures, particularly in First John. If you love the world, you hate God. And if you love God, you hate the world. You can't do both. Love and hate. There's no you can like God and like the world. There's no you can love God and love the world. Or love God and just kind of like the world. It's love and hate. Hate and love. And this is where I believe his advice came from. Pick one and go all out. Free yourself of the guilt. Stop deceiving yourself. Stop deceiving the church. Stop blaspheming God. Stop trying to do both. When it comes to our God-given roles, either choose Christ and go all out, or choose the world and go all out. Either choose Christ, say you're a Christian, and joyfully worship in your role as a woman, or choose the world and go all out. What do I mean? You cannot be a Christian woman and reject your God-given role. They are incompatible. You cannot be a Christian man and reject your God-given role. They are incompatible. You say, I struggle with this. I'm growing in this. Praise God. You say, but I can't do both. What I am saying is, and this is what Paul is saying, Would you say there's such thing as a Christian prostitute? I'm using Paul's analogy here. You say, no, but I could see how someone who was a prostitute came to Christ and they're trying to get out of that lifestyle, but they can't because someone kind of owns them, right? And you say, yeah, I, I get it, right? It's a work in process, right? You would say that's possible. But as an overarching theme, you say, no, that's impossible. They are incompatible. Why? Because of her profession, how she makes money? No, you go back to what the sin is, and that is a form of adultery, right? Whether married or single, she's sleeping with people who are not her husband or her wife. That's incompatible with Christianity. You may think what I just said about God-given roles is pretty extreme, but you could say that about anything. We've just kind of forgotten the significance of God-given roles. You could say, hey, th this guy's a compulsive liar. Is that compatible with Christianity? No. This man habitually beats his children in anger. Is that compatible with Christianity? No. 
Are there Christians who lie all the time? Yes, and hopefully they're striving to repent. Are there Christians that beat their children? Unfortunately, yes, but they're trying to repent. So it can happen, but it's incompatible. It's not how it should be. So in the marriage, if you claim Christ as your Lord, then submit to your husband and lead your wife. You cannot claim Christ as your Lord and submit to your wife or lead your husband. They are incompatible. Any more than Jesus can say, no, God the Father, you come down and die on the cross. For Holy Spirit say, no, Jesus, you come in and dwell and convict them of sin. No. They submit to one another and they all have their roles. So much so are they incompatible that Paul says that if you choose to do that, you might as well label yourself a prostitute. It is that serious. I understand that when it comes to such things, people have personal and selfish reasons for their decisions. But we all know that the repercussions of one person's selfishness is never limited to that individual. It hurts many people. And this is very true here. Paul is pointing out the shame not just to the woman in question, but the shame it brings to her family, to her church, and most importantly, to her God. And I would say again, though it's not in this text, same thing with men when you're not leading your families. There is absolutely no place here for feelings of inadequacy. And I understand those are very real, but the scriptures don't allow for that. It's okay to feel that way. But what I mean when I say the scriptures don't allow for it, it doesn't make it okay to disobey. There's no room here for human, view, human views of fairness or really anything else that is not from God. You see, those views and feelings come from society. And you've probably noticed that society is not overly concerned about proving the Bible true or right. Quite the opposite. And as I said last week, the choice here is not head covering or not, wedding ring or not. The choice ultimately isn't even submission or not. The choice here is worship or not. Worship or not. It isn't fulfilling your roles or not. It's following God or not. What's your choice? What are you going to do? Nowhere here does it say it's easy. It is neither easy to submit, nor is it easy to lead in any capacity. Those of you guys who know me well, you know how hard. The, the, the better you know me, the harder it is to submit to my authority as your pastor. Partly because I make fun of you so much, tease you so much. But many of you have also seen that as you have grown in the Lord and as you have grown in your love for God and love for your spouse, it becomes a lot easier. That's spiritual maturity, that's marital maturity. That's it clicking that you're not fighting against feelings and fighting against, like I, I said earlier, yeah, I'm just supposed to do it, so I'm going to do it. 
That's, that's never ideal for anything. God, I know I'm supposed to go to church. I'm going to go. Not going to enjoy it, but I'll go to church. Oh, you know, we're like Jonah. Fine, I'll share the gospel with them. Right? Embarrassed. They're going to laugh at me. They're going to fire me. They're going to mock me. They're going to be, you know, we do things. And, but sometimes it just clicks. Our worship gets to a point where it just clicks. And you're like, man, I want to do this. This is good. This is joy. This is fun. This, this is what I want to do with my life, with my time, with my energy, with my words, with my every ounce of my being. Because it clicks that this is how it is supposed to be. Pray. Pray that the Lord would weed out what secular society has put into your head. I get it. It's not easy. The number in secular society is greater than the number in the church. Secular society owns the media. Secular, or excuse me, secular society owns the media, both conservative and liberal media. You understand this. Secular society owns the biggest publishing houses. They own the fashion industry. They own Hollywood. Yeah, there's Christians speckled here and there, but they're owned by pagans. And so what is force-fed to us through social media, through normal media, through how people dress, through interviews of our favorite celebrities, of what's said in, in the commercials and the Super Bowl, all of it is against God, against roles, against what we are supposed to do. It is hard. Pastor, are you saying turn off your TV? Maybe, if that's what's going to work for you, if that's what you need. History has shown and the Bible has said that becoming a hermit does not work. That's not what we're called to do. Can't just go find Christian-owned stores, Christian hairdresser, Christian mechanic, Christian doctor. We've got to be in the world to proclaim the gospel. But we need to be wise we need to understand that there may not be individual people who are on board with this, but everyone has an agenda. Everyone. It's not a bad word. We have an agenda. I have an agenda. You're hearing it right now. My agenda is to remove you more from the thinking of society and more to God's Word. My agenda is, if you don't know Christ this morning, is to lead you to a saving knowledge of Christ. I have an agenda. I'm not offended when you say, that pastor, he has an agenda. Absolutely, I have an agenda. We should all have an agenda. But understand that the world has an agenda too. And it's not the Bible. And if it is the Bible, it is the attempt to debunk the Bible or twist the Bible. And so we need to stick with God's word to strive, to fight, to try harder and harder. Some of you need to go home tonight and have a really long biblical discussion with your spouse. Sandwiched in between before and after a long spiritual Discussion with the Lord on your knees in prayer. Let's fulfill our roles. 
It's an issue that we don't take as seriously as adultery or as lying or theft or things like that. But clearly, Paul takes it just as seriously as this God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have a choice, not just in marriage, but even as singles, to accept and to find joy in and worship through our God-given roles. Even the reality of what we have seen and continue to see in this passage of the subordination of women to men just seems like such a nasty thing to say because of the culture. And yet you have extolled it as a beautiful and wonderful thing. So much so that even you, Lord Jesus, submitted and are subordinate to the Father to the benefit and salvation of all of us here. Father, for those in our congregation that are struggling with these roles, whether a grasp of it as a single or a, a grasp and, and living it out as, as a married person, I just pray that you would help us to repent, to excel no more, to strive, to do it because it glorifies you, not to avoid it because he does or she doesn't or whatever it may be. Help us just do because you desire it. You have so wonderfully created us in this way. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live-streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.